First Kings chapter 19, if you'll open your Bibles again, I want to point your attention to verse number 4. And I want to preach about a very real problem uh, that in a trial that we face in our lives. It's one that's sometimes uh, difficult to address. Uh, this is a subject I'd like to take an hour, uh, but, but not just in public setting. I, w I wish I had time to sit down with each person or at least each couple or family and just talk about this uh, thing of, 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 of discouragement or depression uh, that we often face uh, in life. I've entitled the message, Misguided by Emotion misguided by emotion. Look at verse number four, the Bible said, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would please anoint me and fill me with the Holy Spirit as I preach today. Lord, we cannot see in the hearts, in the minds of those who are our friends and family. And Lord, oftentimes there is an appearance of joy and gladness on the outside, but within there is a discouragement and even a depression that folks often face. I am thankful, Lord, that the Word of God covers all subjects and we can find help, we can find strength from your Word. And I pray that today you would help me as I preach because I sincerely desire to be a blessing to these people that I love and these who have come to be our guests today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Elijah was no doubt one of the most exciting, I think, bombastic prophets of history. It is so enjoyable to read of the life and events of the prophet Elijah. I don't know what his personality was like, but I imagine that it was positive. I imagine that it was it, it, it was uh, and and and. Uh, personality that would be lit up, someone that we would know when he came in the room where we were. Elijah the prophet had a very difficult task, and he seems like the right person for the day. Ahab was the king of Israel during the time that Elijah was the prophet to represent God to the people in the land. This king, Ahab, was influenced by his wife Jezebel, who was a worshiper of Baal. She had brought her influences to the land of Israel, a land, a country that was different than any other. It was a land that was held to a very high standard because it was God himself that gave the nation of Israel its birth and protected that nation. It was a priestly nation chosen of God. And so Elijah serves during this time. Elijah's life takes us from the mountaintops and through the valleys. Elijah's witnessed the power of God on a personal level. He has even witnessed the power of God on a national level. 
We see him at times as a simple servant, and there are times we see him as a champion soldier. If you outlined this part of the Bible, you would read 1 Kings 17, and you could define Elijah or describe Elijah as a man of humility. In chapter 18, you would see him as a hero. In chapter 18, it's when he built an altar and put a sacrifice on the altar and Elijah prayed and fire fell from heaven to consume the sacrifice. The Bible said it also burned up the altar and it licked up the water around the altar. So he goes from humility to being a hero in chapter 18. But chapter 19 reveals the humanity of Elijah. We find that he is not a superhero, but we find that Elijah is a real person. In fact, before the chapter ends in chapter 19, Elijah is tired, he's empty. We could even use that word depressed. James chapter 5 reminds us of Elijah being, though he was a great man, just a man, where the Bible said that he was subject to like passions as we are. It seems when you get here that he has pushed himself to his physical and emotional limits and we see a side of him that, that, that surprises us, maybe even shocks us, and some may even be disappointed that Elijah is discouraged and even depressed. You know, it's interesting to note the men of history that we would put in the category of men of influence and greatness that face times of depression in their own lives. Winston Churchill once stated, and I quote, depression followed me around like a black dog all of my life. We know of a young law a lawyer that lived in the 1800s and suffered such a deep depression that his friends at times wanted to make sure there were no razors or knives that were close to him. And he actually penned these words in his diary, and I quote, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall be better, I cannot tell. That lawyer overcame that depression and later served as the 16th president of the United States, the well-known president, Abraham Lincoln. When we think of Baptist clergy or Baptist preachers, one cannot help but to think of Charles Spurgeon, who was the uh, kid preacher and became the prince of preachers. But Charles Spurgeon noted of the depression that he fought with in his own mind and his own heart. One biography says of depression that he would be at times so depressed he could not leave his home to attend church. On more than one occasion, his deacons would go to encourage him and, and, and to console him and let him know that he was needed in the church. Now, all of us know disappointment, all of us know weariness, and even despair or depression could sometimes describe our life as a child of God. Even though you and I are a blessed people, and we are blessed people, amen? I mean, we're blessed above people. We're, 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 we're as a child of God living in America, we are a most blessed people. But even in our blessings, we are still humanity. 
We're still flesh and we still at times have that overwhelming feeling of despair. In the first four verses of 1 Kings chapter 19, we read of Elijah's life that is somewhat in a miserable condition. We see him trying to escape his work and, and, and responsibility. When you look at the events of his life and after the great event on Mount Carmel, when the fire fell from heaven, Ahab returned to his home and he told his wife Jezebel what had happened. Now, I think she was surprised. I think that she thought Ahab would come home and tell her that their false prophets had won a great victory. I think that she expected uh, that fire that uh, perhaps she had seen fall on uh, Mount Carmel in the distance was a response to the false prophet's uh, prayer. Ah, but it was not that case at all. It was Elijah that prayed. It was the God of heaven that answered uh, his prayer. And boy, when she got the bad news, was she ever angry. In fact, Jezebel was so angry that she pinned a letter. She was so infuriated that she pinned a letter and she told uh, Elijah, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to take your life. Now as a young preacher reading that and just going through the story, not knowing all of the story, I thought, yeah, and when he gets that letter, you're going to be in trouble too. Jezebel, you better not be threatening the man of God. There may be some you could scare, but you're not going to scare Elijah. But to my surprise, when Elijah gets the letter from Jezebel, he said, I'm finished, that's enough, I'm leaving, I'm tired of this, I'm tired of this battle. And after he faces all of the hundreds of false prophets, one letter from Jezebel and Elijah experiences despair and it begins to run instead of standing like he had before now I want you to think about this not as someone that we're just observing but someone that could represent our lives you see there are times that we're willing to stand and fight there are times that we're willing to go and we go on for some time in our life of service or our life of doing right whether it's that of a, a mother in the rearing of her children or of a man in his work or, or leading a business or whatever the case may be at your place of service in the church uh, sometimes uh, after a time of serving you come to the place you say I just don't feel like going on anymore I'm tired of the pressure of responsibility and all of a sudden something happens in Elijah at a time that you would think boy he would just growl at Jezebel and she would run Elijah runs and he runs from this woman who was known to be the wicked woman and the worshiper of Baal. Now let's remember what Elijah had faced. Let's not condemn Elijah because if we looked at all of the events, for example, you remember when he told them there wouldn't be any rain and that rain affected, that lack of rain affected not only everyone else, it affected Elijah. And God told Elijah, go down by the brook Cherith and I'll take care of you there. But one morning he goes down to the brook and there's no water in the brook. 
and, 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 and remember uh, when he uh, is told, I want you to go into town and there is a widow woman there that's going to sustain you. She's going to feed you. I can't help but to think Elijah thought, wow, nobody I'd rather eat uh, uh, their fried chicken than a widow woman. Uh, nobody I'd rather go have supper with. Uh, boy, I bet she's the best cook in uh, all of town. And he goes there and he finds a widow woman not with a spread of food on the table but watching her son as he's gathering sticks and she is going to make their last meal and then that's it they're going to die boy is he ever surprised when he finds out this woman doesn't even have any chicken she's got enough meal for just one more time one more cake and they're going to die her son dies the prophets of Baal challenge Elijah he'd seen the Lord close the heavens and no rain He'd seen the miracles of the Lord. He had gone from the bottom to the top. He had gone from the valley to the mountaintop. He was there as he prayed and the fire fell. He, 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 he experienced all of the blessings of the Lord, but he comes to a time in his life that his emotions say, hence the title of the message, Misled by Emotions. His emotions say, I've had enough. I can't go any further. I have faced Ahab. I have faced the prophets of Baal. I have faced the physical challenges and the emotional drains. I have faced all that, but I'm not about to face another battle. I am not fighting against Jezebel. What seemed to be little to no problem at all, and Elijah has the feeling that it wants to run away. Now, we don't like to talk about that, but that sometimes happens in our mind, doesn't it? We just want to run away. Where to? Doesn't matter. I just want to run away. Elijah leaves. He travels 100 miles. I mean, that's a long ways in Elijah's day. And his, and his emotions have misguided him to the place. He didn't want to have anything to do with where he's been. He said, I'm getting away from this. And he runs nearly 100 miles to the southern end of Judah. He attempts to escape his responsibilities. And when you read in this passage of Scripture, you find that Elijah even goes uh, to the final place and he says to his only servant, he said, you stay here. And he traveled another whole day into the wilderness and he sits down under a juniper, juniper tree. He throws in the towel and he said, God, I'm finished. Just go ahead and take my life. And we're not talking about a young Christian. We're not talking about a new Christian. We're talking about a seasoned man of God. We're talking about a man that prayed and God answered his prayer by sending fire from heaven. We're talking about a man that prayed and God closed the heaven and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. You would think, boy, this guy would never get discouraged, but that's where he is under the juniper tree, discouraged and telling God, I have no desire to live. There are five things I want to point out in Elijah's life as I give you the message misguided by emotions. First of all, I want, you to, I want you to notice Elijah cuts himself off from those that are close to him. 
Now, I'm, I'm pointing out this important. You see, one of the problems with despair, even depression, is for folks not to recognize what brings it about or recognize the things that indicate that we may be in a time of despair, discouragement, or even depression. Here, Elijah, he doesn't want to be around the people of God, and he cuts himself off from those that are close to him. You'll find as he prayed, God said, Elijah, there's 7,000 that have haven't bowed their knee to Baal. You're not the only one. He said he was. He said, I'm the only one left that ever preaches any truth. I'm the only one that ever does right. I'm the only one that ever takes a stand. God said, Elijah, that's not true. There's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. But Elijah didn't want to have anything to do with them. He cut himself off from those that are close to him. Now there's often a need for proper rest in our lives. There's often, there's often a need for us to be refilled in our life, but there's never a time that you and I should withdraw from the people that we love and that love us. And specifically this morning to point out the fact of the importance of the local church. Sometimes Christians think, well, I just need to be by myself. Now, I want you to hear me well. There are times to be alone to pray. There are times to fellowship with God. But I want to tell you, there's never a time for Christians to say, I don't want to be around people anymore. I don't want to be around church anymore. Friend, when you get to that place, you need to recognize there's a problem in my heart, and I may be being misguided by my emotions. Second of all, I want you to notice Elijah takes his eyes off the Lord and he focuses on his circumstance. I say a lot about this because I deal with this every single day in helping folks to overcome, whether it be a pastor or whether it be a church member, whether it be a teenager or, or someone uh, that is facing physical ailments. Uh, Elijah came to the place that he took his eyes off the Lord and he focused on his circumstance. And you talk about a guy that could get a hold of God, Elijah could do it. I've said it already. He could pray in the firefall. He prayed and the rain stopped. He prayed and the rain returned. This is a guy who had his attention and his focus on God and he was willing to stand. If you recall, Mount Carmel was covered with people, thousands of people. He said, if the Lord be God, then serve him. The Bible says the people answered him not a word. That didn't discourage him. He still challenged those false prophets. He still prayed and the fire of heaven fell. And when it did, the people cried the Lord he is God the Lord he is God but at this point in life he changes his focus from God to his circumstances when I was a boy my dad showed me an illustration about money and he, and he said money can be a good servant but it's a terrible master and money can blind you to things that are most important and he took, I believe it was a quarter. I don't have a quarter. Do you have a quarter? You don't have a quarter? Who do you guys work for? Uh, <laughs> you work for a guy who doesn't have a quarter himself. He took a quarter. He said, son, you see how small that quarter is compared to the sun? But he said, if that quarter gets close enough to your eye, it can block even the brightness and the size of the sun. I want you to hear me well. Your circumstances are not bigger than God. Our circumstances are very small compared to God. But don't miss what I'm about to say. If you focus on your circumstance, you won't be able to see God. 
You look at men in the Bible that were full of fear. It was because they were focused on their circumstance. But when David comes to battle and the Goliath, the giant Goliath is cursing the God of heaven and the people of Israel, David, his focus had been on God as he had spent time in the field as a shepherd. He had no fear of Goliath because he was comparing his circumstances to the greatness of God. Elijah is discouraged and we know that he is because his focus is no longer on the God of heaven. His focus is on his circumstances. Much like Peter in Matthew chapter 14 who walked on the water but when his eyes were no longer focused on Christ but focused on the, on the, on the storm and on the waves and on the water he began to sink. And I want to say this morning child of God if you're going to overcome a, a depression, a despair in your life you have to get to the place that your focus of attention is not on the difficult circumstances of life but is on the great creator and sustainer the God that loves us Elijah's focus changed from God to his circumstance I'll give you the third step the third thing he did and you'll find in verse number three Elijah took his uh, uh, Elijah stopped praying for others and started praying for himself verse number four if you'll read and look at the prayers of Elijah he's always praying on behalf of someone else but he comes to the place and he said, Lord, I'm not greater than my fathers. I, I'm, just, just go ahead and take my life. There's no need for me to live anymore. And he is focusing, his prayers are for, Lord, give me what I feel like I want. If, give me what I, what I feel like. And he quits praying for others. Don't miss this statement. My needs are always met. When my focus is on others. I wish I could put it in writing that you could see it. My needs are not met when I spend all my time praying for God to meet my needs. My needs are met when I focus on praying for others. That's the case in Elijah's life. But he comes to the place his prayer life is not, is not focused on the needs of others. But his prayer life is focused on himself. He had prayed for the widow. He had prayed for the son that had died. And God gave life back to that son. He had prayed down fire. He had prayed on behalf of others. And God had heard his prayer. I want to tell you something this morning. You are in a state of despair or depression when all... All of your attention is focused on yourself. And don't you let this world misguide you to say life is about us because the most miserable people in all of the world are those that live for self. The happiest people in the world are those that live for the will of God. Amen. Elijah forgot what his purpose was. He was prophet to Israel. He represented God to the people. He represented people to God. Now he's there talking about his needs. When we become so self-conscious that, that it dominates our thinking, we're in trouble spiritually. When we get to the place where everything is about me, we need a checkup. I'll show you the fourth thing. He said life is hopeless. 
There's nothing to look forward to in the future. He sat down and he gave up. Elijah felt that life was no longer worth living. And as long as we can remember that there is hope, we can make it through. But when the devil comes and he convinces you that there's no hope, then he has taken your purpose of living away. May we never forget this morning that no matter what the circumstances are, God is still on the throne. And no matter how bad things become in life, God is in control. I prayed for and communicated with people this morning that are in severe physical pain. I hurt for them. On my knees, I said, God, I don't understand. I'm not questioning you. You're in control. But Lord, if my prayers can make any difference at all, I pray that you would relieve the pain that they're experiencing. I pray that you'll help them to overcome the mental and emotional pressure that they're under. Oh, listen to me this morning. Uh, we must keep hope in our hope in Christ. And then the fifth thing, Elijah claims he wants to die. Now, I want to point out something here. It's not meant to be humorous, but it is. Elijah says, I want to die. He's misled. He's misguided by his emotions. He really doesn't want to die. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. He could have stayed in town, saved himself a trip. She'd have killed him right where he was. He runs from her for a hundred miles and then said, Lord, just go ahead and take my life. Elijah, you don't want to die. You're just whining. You, you, you don't want to die. She was going to kill you. She said, she said she would. But that's how our emotions are. Oftentimes, we make that foolish statement, there's no need for me to live. I just, I just want to die. You don't want to die. Elijah escapes. He withdraws. Elijah attempts to reason away his request for death by saying he's no better than his father's, which is another indicator that his thinking had become selfish rather than in the will of God. Elijah, nobody ever, nobody ever said you were better than your father's. Nobody ever said that at all. Where'd that come from? It came from your own thinking. Elijah was a great man. Elijah was used in a great way. You know, one, one thought I had this morning as I went over the message, you know, maybe one of the discouraging things was that Elijah thought after all that God had done, Ahab and Jezebel would turn to God, but they didn't. He may have expected them to be saved. He may have expected them to put their faith in God, but they didn't, and they just upped their anger, and they just increased their threat against Elijah. You may be here this morning and you feel exactly the way Elijah felt. And these five statements, they describe you as much as Elijah. I want to say this morning, if you're not careful, you'll be misguided by your emotion. Let me give you some statements that you must ponder on. Number one, we've not been forsaken by the Lord. Elijah, there's no need for you to feel that you're forsaken. God still loves you, Elijah. Hear me well, folks. God loves you. You say, well, all these circumstances, I can't explain that. I don't know why, but I know this. God loves his own, and he loves you this morning. 
God cares about you. And he proved that later on. I don't have time to go through all that God did for Elijah. But I want to tell you this morning that God does love you. And if your emotions are saying God doesn't care about you, there's no need for you to go on. Your emotions are lying. That book is true. God gave his son that you and I could have eternal life. He's preparing us a home in heaven this morning. There's no need for us to live under the impression by our own emotions that God doesn't care for us. God does care for you. Second of all, I want to say this. God still has a plan for you. You say, preacher, how do you know that for sure? Because you're still alive. You're still alive. God doesn't intend for you to live in despair. He doesn't intend for you to live in depression. God has a will. Nothing excited my heart anymore than as a teenage boy to realize God didn't just give me life. God knows me personally. God knows me specifically. I preached Friday and Saturday in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, just, just south of, of Nashville. I preached there Friday night and twice yesterday morning. There was a young man. He came to me. I guess he was 16, 17 years old. He showed me a picture. And he said, this picture is of you and the president. Is that real? I said, yeah, it, it's real. He said, you sure you didn't Photoshop that? I wouldn't ride in Brother Tyra's car, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and then he said, wow, you mean the president knows you? Let me tell you something, folks. The king of kings knows who I am. The king of kings knows who you are. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what your social status. God loves you and I so much. He gave his son that we could have eternal life. And God has a will. God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. Yesterday, Brother David Lewis got a text message from one of the young men that came to our Bible college and one of the quietest young men, I, I mean just so quiet and, and he'd surrendered to ministry and I thought, boy, at some point in time you have to learn how to talk. Most preachers know how to talk. He's just quiet all the time. And he was a bus captain on the bus that Brother Lewis uh, drives and had been driving for years and he spent I think two or three maybe four years uh, on that bus and he sent him a note and he just want, he said I just want to thank you for your investment in me I not only have the opportunity to be a bus captain I get to oversee 60 bus workers and we now have three bus routes and we're going to add more God has a will for your life God has a plan for your life today Live in the will of God. I give you the third thing. You say, how many things you got? 206. <laughs> I'm just about out of time. And the nursery tells me, we dismiss on time. You preach as long as you want. So I'm going I'm to finish on time. I'll give you the third thing. God wanted to bring Elijah out of the valley, out of his difficulty, out of his despair, and God loves you even in despair, and he wants to bring you out as well. He doesn't want you to stay there. God doesn't want you to live in despair. Now, God does understand, and I'm telling you, God is so wonderful. He doesn't love me just when I'm serving him. 
He didn't love me just when I'm on the mountaintop and filled with excitement. God loves me at all times. And God came to Elijah to bring him out of despair. And if you'll let God, he'll bring you back to the place of joy and gladness in your Christian life. The Bible says in 1 Peter, casting all your care on him for he careth for you. I gave this illustration preaching on television last night when I was a boy. If I had something that was valuable and my parents didn't want me to lose, they would say, let me hold that for you. Let me keep that for you. Our children maybe get some money for birthday just as a child. And we say, let me hold that for you so you don't lose it. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that for you. I'm glad the Bible says that God keeps, he holds my salvation. But there are other things that I can give to him that he'll hold for me. And it's not just prosperity, it's the problems. God said, let me take care of that. Cast your care on me, I care for you. The last thing and I'm finished. It is not sin to face despair. It is not sin to face despair. But it's dangerous to stay there. It's not sin to feel despair. You buy a car, you don't take it back to the dealer when it runs out of gas. Put more fuel in it. You don't get discouraged when you get tired. But even if you come to the place of despair, that's not sin. But it's dangerous if you stay there. God does love you today. God has a will for your life. The greatest life in all the world to live is in the will of God. I want you to stand with me this morning. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. If you're here today and you've never been born again. You ought to trust Christ as your Savior today. I will tell you this. Our world is filled with promises of empty dreams. Many folks have come to the very end or to what they would call grand success. There's no, there's no peace and joy in the success of the things of the world there is joy there is peace to be in the will of God